the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome back. Friday, November 3rd, 2023. I am Seth Liebson. Open line hour. Anything on your mind you want to talk about? It's not as if there's a shortage of things to talk about. And uh, 602-508-0960 is the number. 602-5080-960. I see Mr. Bill to my west, along with Mr. Ramon visiting as well. And I have David Dahl, our producer, to my north, and Miss Terry. Anthony Blinken gave a speech today in Israel. Blinken is, as many of you know, the United States Secretary of State. Hassan Nasrallah gave a speech today from Lebanon. Nasrallah is the head of an organization called Hezbollah. And the media is treating both speeches as if on the same level, the same moral plane, if you will, not just the same impact, but the same importance and credibility. Nasrallah is a leader. Blinken is a leader. This is what happens when you divorce ends and oughts from means and the is. It's similar to putting the Nazi bombing of London on the same level, the same moral plane, if you will, with the British bombing of Berlin in response. Both countries dropped bombs, so it's all the same, right? This is the problem serious political philosophy has been trying to solve, explaining, for example, just and unjust wars, Explaining, for example, just and unjust actions. Explaining, for example, just and unjust causes. Explaining, for example, just and unjust people. Based on their ends, not just on their means, though the means may, may be similar. Though the means may be similar... There should be a difference based on the purpose. As William Buckley used to put it, two people may be pushing a grandmother in the street. Is one pushing her in front of a bus or is one pushing her away and out of the way of the bus? They're not the same thing. In his Ph.D. dissertation turned into a book, Thomism and Aristotelianism, written back in the 1950s, Harry Jaffa first noted this relativism in our politics and political understandings. There he wrote, and I will quote, Modern social science is based on the absolute distinction between matters of value and matters of fact, and attempts only to deal with the latter or rather to deal with the former only insofar as the values people hold are themselves facts for the observation of the social scientist. He went on, quote, 
But such a science is of little assistance where the problem concerns a choice between different systems of value. At most, this value-free social science can point out and describe the different systems and perhaps ascertain whether certain values are based on correct or incorrect assumptions as to the facts. All values as such are preferences, and all preferences are essentially part of the realm of myth and outside the ambit of science. Thus, modern social science may deny the Nazis' assertions as to the inequality of races by denying or criticizing any positive evidence that the Nazi scientists may bring forward in support of their doctrines. But the social scientists cannot and will not and do not contest the right of the Nazis to be Nazis. They do not say that one ought not to be a Nazi and that the Nazis' treatment of their enemies is morally wrong. To the social scientists, the principles of national socialism are one of an unlimited number of possible sets of principles, and all such principles have an equal right to being accepted and followed, just because there is no demonstrable or scientific basis for preferring one to the other. Because of this equal right of all systems of value, or to put it more simply, of all opinions, no one ought on the basis of his opinions, to repress or, for that matter, to deny the equal validity of anyone else's opinions. From this point of view, the only true doctrine is the pragmatic one of trying to let everyone do as he pleases. Now, Jaffa goes on, but I think you take the point, which way back in the 1950s adumbrated where we are today. Antony Blinken speaks... Hassan Nasrallah speaks, and they are just two speeches of equal import and value. Elie Wiesel put it some years back that the worst form of catastrophe, which, by the way, is the Hebrew translation of Shoah, the word for the Holocaust, is when good and evil are put on the same moral plane and the evil receive the countenance or permission of the just. Etymology may help us here a bit. Catastrophe comes from the Latin of catastropha, meaning a reversal of what is expected, or an overturning. Holocaust, as a word, has a Greek origin from holocauston, meaning completely burned, burnt. It's a burning. So here we are, where the inability to think in things moral and true has yielded to an equally valid set of claims that pervert morality and stress, to put it no higher, the truth. The truth yields to my truth, or his truth, or your truth. And the pronoun modifier in front of the word truth immediately signals a relativism, a separation from an independent standard. The moment someone says my truth, or your truth, or his truth, they're immediately saying it is different, separate from an independent standard of the truth. It's an admission but it's an admission that of a sudden, over the past decade or so, gets credibility. Blinken has his truth, and thus his claim to moral legitimacy. And Nasrallah has his truth, and thus his claim to moral legitimacy. This is how you lose not just a moral sense, which may be considered amorphous. This is how you lose a civilization. Because you no longer have any concept or definition of civilization which, etymologically, 
that means the opposite of savagery and barbarism. We became so concerned and so self-flagellating over the perceived concept or notion that we in the West might be doing things better here than in other parts of the world that we thought it important to eliminate such value judgments and chalk them up to arrogancies. American exceptionalism is an arrogancy to say that we have it better here or do it better here. So now we can no longer distinguish the rightness or justness of a society that, say, doesn't have cannibalism and one that does, one that doesn't put babies in ovens and one that does. Many, too, will think this is hard to understand. It isn't. It's been with us for millennia. In his landmark book, Natural Right and History, Leo Strauss, for whom Harry Jaffa wrote that dissertation, <laughs> opened his book with the following epigraph. You will recognize it, I think. There were two men in one city, the one rich and the other poor. The rich man had exceedingly many flocks and herds, but the poor man had nothing save one little ewe lamb, which he had bought and reared, and it grew up together with him and with his children. It did eat of his own morsel and drank of his own cup and lay in his bosom and was unto him as a daughter. And there came a traveler unto the rich man, and he spared to take of his own flock, wouldn't do it, and of his own herd. The rich man would not. Instead, to dress for the wayfaring man that was come unto him, he took the poor man's lamb and dressed it for the man that came to him. The rich man had plenty of lambs and wouldn't give one to the, the traveler. The poor man had but one lamb who was as a best friend and family member, and the rich man took the poor man's lamb and gave it to the traveler. Nathan told David this story, and Nathan was quick to anger, we are told. It's that simple, after all, is it not? We can know what just and justice is, and the difference between giving one lamb over another just as giving one speech from one leader over another, depending on what is back of it. A lamb is a lamb, after all, just as a speech is a speech, after all, just as a claim is a claim, after all. Or is it? Of course we know it isn't all the same any more than Hitler and his wartime actions were the same as Churchill's and his. But I show you the crisis of the West today, where the rights and wrongs are just based on preferences and the means are fully divorced from their causes or ends and facts are unrelated to their values. And we all die a little every day for it. 602-5080-960. Be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show, 602-508-0960. Kyle is in Phoenix. Hello, Kyle. Hey, Seth. How are you? I am well, sir. How are you? Good. Thank you for asking. You betcha. What's on your mind? Yeah. So I uh, called in, just heard a little bit that you guys were talking about uh, – just like good versus evil and what is moral. And obviously right now um, we're living in a time where we're, where we are observing war, um, especially in the case of what's going on with um, Israel and Hamas. Um, and so my point of view is obviously I'm very anti Hamas and I'm very, um, I believe that Israel has a right to defend itself. However, Looking at everything that's happened within the last week or so um, with Israel's response, 
and the fact that 9,000 civilians have gotten killed by the IDF, would you say that Israel's response to the Hamas atrocities are moral, and if so, why? Well, I'll, I'd start by, I mean, first of all, the numbers, whatever they are, would be awful. And I'll just start by reminding of what Joe Biden says, which is that he doesn't trust those numbers. Those numbers are coming from Hamas. So we don't mm-hmm. know what the numbers actually are. Uh, it's mm-hmm. unlikely they'd be higher. It's equiprobable they're fewer, just as the story about the hospital bombing was totally fabricated. So 9,000, maybe 3,000, it may be 300, it may be 8,000. So we don't know what the actual number is, and it will probably take a long time to suss it out. That's, That's question number one. The second question that I think a moral country has to ask itself. And we had to ask ourselves these kinds of questions when we were targeting ISIS and al-Qaeda leadership and uh, even, you know, um, al-Qaeda leadership in Iraq when, you know, they were housing themselves and secreting themselves among civilian buildings. We have to ask ourselves, you know, what is the price you would pay to kill the leader of al-Qaeda? If he were in a house, or ISIS, if they were in the house, let let us say, of three innocents, would it be worth dropping a bomb on them to kill them? A great question. Yeah. Then the question obviously becomes five or six. You know, when we took out bin Laden, we killed, I think, five other people who were not bin Laden, who were in that house, four of them women. Was mm-hmm. it worth it? What is the it, name Fathi Abid al-Hassan to you? Does that mean anything to you? Right. Well, that's the, that's the leader, correct? He's one of them who was bombed in, mm-hmm. uh, in, in what was known as a refugee camp. He was one of two. Is it worth taking that man out, a man who, reading from Politico was part and parcel of an effort where a young Israeli man whose arm ends abruptly in a bloody stump is tossed into the back of a pickup truck already slick with blood of his friends as jubilant captors laughed and as a young woman cowers under a desk in her bedroom before Hamas comes in and kills her in front of her two boys, who they then kill. What is the cost of that? Now, what is the worth? What is the morality? On October 8th, I would venture to say most of the people I talked to who didn't know a lot about the Middle East and Israel, you know, any more than the average guy. I mean, they knew of it, but they, you know, they weren't studied on war and these kinds of things and hadn't thought about Israel and probably couldn't tell you the difference between Gaza and the West Bank, that kind of thing. A lot of them said, I suspect Israel's going to carpet bomb Gaza right now. And they said it passively, because that's what you would have expected for most countries to do after what happened on October 7th. But Israel didn't do that. In fact, Israel waited weeks to even enter into Gaza. And it gave people, of course, a chance by notifying the buildings that they were going to be bombed before they were bombing, and is now putting their own soldiers' lives at risk by going in on the ground, rather than doing to the Gazans what we in Great Britain did to Germany and Japan. Do you know how many people right. died in the bombing of Tokyo? 
I, I don't. 100,000. 100,000. Yeah. 3,000 Americans were killed at Pearl Harbor. Right. Do you know how many people were killed in Dresden or Berlin in our bombings? The point no. here is that you have an army that is doing its best to go after terrorists who hide and conceal and secret themselves amongst civilian population centers, schools, whose very headquarters is 300 feet below a hospital. Right. How do you fight that? Right. And I think the the thing that I guess I, I, I'm struggling with in that is, obviously, it's for anyone who who actually like does research into what Hamas, who Hamas actually is, and you know the whole, you know how Palestine, or how Hamas runs Palestine, how their Hamas governs Palestine, and how they hide among their people, and that literally their headquarters are under Al Shafi. I, I think that's what the the hospitals called. But um, I think the 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 hard part for me is, I'm, like I'm, I'm a believer, I'm a Christian, and so trying to think of like. In this situation, you see you see the deaths, and you you know obviously it's very easy to condemn Hamas for the brutality and just the I mean these people are those dudes are not even like human you know for what they did raping and burning and murdering children and women and just like not no not having like any regard for life. But at the same time, it's like if the numbers are true of how many like civilians are, are being killed in Palestine and granted too, you have to give, or in Gaza, you have to give those citizens for what it's worth. I mean, they can't go anywhere. And that's a whole nother issue on why won't Arab countries help out their fellow Arabs or fellow Muslims. Yeah, Egypt could have, be... by the way, Egypt could have fixed this problem in 24 hours. Correct. Correct. So too could have, Jordan. Also... so too could have Jordan. Correct. Correct. But because they they won't and they can't, you know, these people are. Do you think the, the, like the they, you know, they, do you think the civilians, by the way, who are being killed, are they are the are they are their deaths the fault of Israel that's going in to kill the terrorists among them? Or are their deaths would, the fault of the terrorists say, who use them for cover and civilian would, cover, which in and of itself is a violation of the Geneva Accords? Correct. Yeah, that's a tough question. I mean, it's not a tough question. I would. I don't I, think it's a tough question at all. I really don't. I, don't I mean, think, truthfully, I, don't think it's I would a tough say. Question. I mean, I would say, in response to what Hamas did, like, I think all civilian blood is on Hamas. Can you hold with I, me? I have to take point, a break. Right. I'm happy to pursue it, Kyle. I just have to take a commercial break. You willing to stick okay. around? Yeah. Thank you, brother. Good. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leapson Show. I think about lyrics like this, you know, um, like that song, that John Denver song, and you just think about the difference between the kind of country we live in and the kind of, you know, ethos we expect from the people we live amongst and how different it is from the Middle East, where one reporter last weekend was talking about coming upon a scene of five babies who were decapitated, and they were still trying to figure out which head belonged to which baby. It is in that context we are talking with Kyle in Phoenix about what Israel's appropriate 
or moral response should be. Go ahead, Kyle. Thank you for waiting. Yeah, of course. No, thanks for for sticking with me. Um, I think where we left off was uh, talking. Oh, you you asked me. How do you fight a people who, in the first instance of violating the laws of war, hides and secrets themselves deliberately amongst civilian population centers so that it will either dissuade an attack or when an attack comes will be used for propaganda? How do you fight a people like that? Or do you fight a people like that? Do you let yeah, them? I, do you I, let them massacre and slaughter, and then hide behind civilians because you can't hit a civilian? Right, right, and it, it's so complicated because, like, those people—they are cowards for what they do. Is they hide amongst their people, and their people are left defenseless, essentially. So, I guess on one end, you—it's—it's it's hard. Um, yeah, I mean, I just, I hope that, uh, sorry, I lost my train of thought for a sec. No, it's okay. Uh, I mean, it's worth thinking, it's worth thinking through the morality, too, of what constitutes um, a civilian in a war. Um, right. It, it, it really is. I mean, as, 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 as Hannah Arendt put it in um, her book on Eichmann, Eichmann in Jerusalem, uh, we're not living in a nursery school. Um, right. acquiescence, compliance, and support comes with some level of culpability, does it not? This is a people that elected Hamas, knowing what Hamas was, to represent them and govern them. Correct. Correct. Hamas, um, for, you know, over 15 years, has had complete run of Gaza. There hasn't been a Jew in Gaza in over 15 years. When Israel left, they even disinterred the buried dead. They left no Jews alive or dead in Gaza. They could have done anything right. what they, they wanted with it. They could have had Singapore. They could have had Singapore. They right. built a pit of hell. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How, no, do, you, I, how I do you totally, fight that? How do you fight that? It, yeah. I, I mean, you're asking me, man. I, I, I just... The, the thing I think about are, are the, the people that are in there who are, you know, born into this situation, you know, who were born after, what, 2006, that's when Israel left? Yeah. The people that, you know, didn't have the ability to, to make their voice heard, to make a vote, and who were just born into this, and all of a sudden their lives are, are, are done for. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, totally, I totally agree that or believe that Israel has Do you a blame right their to parents? Itself. Do you blame their parents at all for any of this? I mean, it's it's hard because what wasn't it only like sixty percent of the vote went for Hamas? I'm not forty-four percent went to Hamas, and another forty percent went to Fatah, which isn't exactly a communion of saints. Correct. <laughs> Correct. Thirty yeah. percent went to Hitler in Germany. Right. 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 You, you have to understand, too. I think Kyle, for a lot of these, I mean, this is what makes the war so much more the difficult when we think of values in war. You are dealing with a vast population for whom death is not a deterrent but an inducement. Correct. I would say to a certain extent because it's hard to generalize like a population that we just, oh, they, we just, they like, no, we well, just they, we well just read their know. charter. I mean, read their charter. They they believe it is glory to God to die for God. Death is not a deterrent. It is a saintly thing to do in a just war, and the just war is to slaughter the Jew. That's what their charter says. 
It's not a generalization. Uh, on Hamas's charter, correct? Yes, correct. Okay, okay. So, yeah, but it's That's just, why mutually it's assured get... destruction doesn't work in these cases. You know, the Soviets didn't want to die for a, for a holy cause. A lot of... A lot of people, we saw 19 of them on September 11th, 2001, illustrate that point very, very clearly. Right. That's and, why and you again, get suicide yeah. bombers. That's why you get Hezbollah. Right. And these people, they don't see other people that aren't themselves as non-human. You know, they don't see Jews as humans. I mean, the, the amount of anti-Semitism like, that's going on in, in this country is disgusting. And it's like a it's a repeat of of nineteen thirty nine all over again. Well, people, you know, yeah, you're you're very kind to call impatient. I I hope this was good for you, Kyle. I do have to run and take others, but feel free to call back. I hope this was good for you. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show six zero two five zero eight zero nine six zero. Having a pretty good philosophical discussion here. Doug is in Maricopa. Hello, Doug. Hey there. Um, it was interesting listening to that young man, and um, I had some things to comment on, and but I didn't want to direct it at him uh, per se, but it, it stimulates some thought. Um, and I'd like to pull it away from the current situation and just think about the morality in terms of historical concepts. And because I think we all have to look look back and say we have to realize the origins of this conflict when the land was uh, used to form Israel it was not taking from the Palestinians there's never been a country called Palestine the land to form Israel was taken from Jordan the land was taken from Egypt these are two different countries there was no the, the Palestinians were just local indigenous people in these other countries. Now, here's the interesting thing. These, this indigenous minority people never said they were in an open prison camp when they were in Jordan. They never said that when they were in Egypt. It was just when the Jewish people took over a small swath of it that all of a sudden they claim they made up a word called Palestine to blind the Western logic, and then suddenly, they you know they're going to drive the Jews out. So this has nothing to do with them being the Jews taking over their country. They never had a bloody country. They were part of Jordan and Egypt, you know. And so, but let's go back to this misplaced compassion, which is very common with with my fellow Christians. When, when this was a problem before the Civil Wars, uh, the Civil War in the 1850s, is that many Christians were like, well, we, you know, I'm kind of against slavery, but I, you know, I don't really think we do anything. If we do anything, we're going to upset the South. So the question I ask, a serious question, to anybody that thinks like this young man, he's doing so with the best of intentions. Are you? Are we saying that any? Because there were many, many, many civilians that were killed in the Civil War, that we should have just let the black man be slaves, and we could still have plantations because we don't want any civilians to get hurt. Or when we stormed Normandy, that yes, Hitler was a murderous thug. Yes, he was evil. 
and yes, everything. But we might kill civilians, um, and we did, by the way. Like 30,000. Like 30,000. 30, something yeah. like 30,000, yeah. if I'm not yeah. mistaken, in overlord. And you never hear the French say, complain about it. They no. worship, worship us as heroes for freeing them. <clears throat> and every battle in the in the Second World War, if you see a battle, you know civilians are getting bloody killed. And that, and if we start paralyzing ourselves, what you are saying was, any evil at any time in history can just uh, attack, murder you, and then stand there and say, "Don't attack." Cancer kills. Are die. Cancer kills. And, it's, and, it it yeah, seems to me yeah. the moral and ju- just thing is to get rid of the cancer. You know, well, you have to get rid of evil, and you know, in it, it, this whole idea. And by the way. This is why I've brought up many times as many people, what I call, I call them peaceniks, but they're very good intention. They don't want violence. They don't want any harm. They oftentimes kill more people than, than if you had gone in there and done Yeah, I, I mean, I, I totally just, I mean, God wish and come the day when we can beat our swords into plowshares. But when the other side has swords, I don't want plowshares. I don't want any death yeah. uh, to harm any soul. But if you, it's, listen... If I remember a while back, I talked about how shocked I was that there was a woman being raped and a guy was raping her right there and people were videotaping it. And the whole point was uh, my whole point to bring that fall nature. And you brought up how far is our morals collapse? And I said, I, as an old man, that guy would have been paralyzed, dead or something, but he would have not lasted a minute Understood. with that woman there. And but the whole point was, should I have worried about him being hurt? Hold the thought a minute. You know, just hold that thought a minute, Doug, because I have another historian with us, too. I want to join and get in before we hit the break. And that's Tim. I wanted to give Tim a shot here. I know him and his love of history, too. Hello, Tim. How are you doing? I'm fine. How are you? Well, under the circumstances, I think we could all be doing better. Yes. All things considered. Yes, sir. Let me ask you. I didn't mean to criticize anybody, you. You're a different Tim, but it's fine to have you on nonetheless. I didn't mean to criticize you as a historian. No, that's <laughs> okay. fine. No, all that's right. fine. All right. No, that's fine. Okay. No, I, it, you know, the thing about, the, about you guys on the radio station, the thing about your whole network is you all have this Christian ideal and the Christian background. That's great and good. Has anybody ever brought up or bothered to bring up the book of Esther? Well, hold on a second. I don't know if okay. I trust the premise <laughs> of the you question. Will. Well, I you don't will. know if I do. I don't think Dennis Prager comes at things with a Christian perspective, or Mark Levin. No, I know. He comes from, from a Jewish perspective. And Mark Levin. And that's the cool part, and, and, and the cool part and about I, it. And I, I, I try, I try and do everything I can. Esther? But yes, I know the book of Esther, of course. Your people will Good. be my people. Yes, of course. Yeah. How about the back end of it? Go ahead. Do you remember what the, you remember what the king told... Uh, Esther and Mordecai. I certainly Once do. Once he realized he had been duped. I certainly do. He says, I can't say, I can't rescind what's happened, and I can't bring this order back, but I can write another one. And so he sent it out by decree, just like he sent out the first. And anybody that messed with that messenger was going to be guilty of treason and worthy of death. You remember what that that decree was that he sent out yeah, the second time? Yeah, I, I, I do, but I have to tell you, Tim, I just have to say, I, yes, I get, I get a little nervous. I get a little nervous, though, when 
when when when we use that as the template, I I just do. I'm just confessing an uh, 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 I don't know if you want to call it an ignorance, you can or a queasiness, you can. I get a little nervous when I when we when we think of fighting wars the way they fought wars. We don't have to do that today. What's wrong with defending yourself? Nothing's wrong with your defending yourself. The morality of it is fine. Yes, the morality is where you yes. defend yourself. Yes, the I. Well, I, if you've been listening to this show, I don't think there's any question about that. Doug, that was a different Tim. I apologize. I'll give you the last word. You have about 35 seconds. Well, I think he's he's correct in, in the sense we, we should defend ourselves, but you're 100% correct, and that's where I am, as staunchly as I am, that we need to defend ourselves. The humanity and the effort that we put out in the West to save the civilian doesn't ever mean you know, that it's going to be 100% correct, and we should not be paralyzed with the fact that we can't be 100% correct. Mm -hmm. But our efforts to save uh, the innocents is our nobility, and that's what the Jew, and that's what we in America have always tried to do. Well, and it puts our lives at risk in that morality. Yes, it does. It puts our lives at risk in in that morality. Carpet bombing wouldn't. This does. But this is who we are. This is who we that's are, right. and we'll get blamed for it, and that's the sin of this you thing. Bet. That, as they say, is the hell of it. Thank you, Doug. Bless you both. We'll be right back. Do you trust this economy? How about a secure investment that actually helps people? That's what Why Refi has. It's an investment where you can earn up to a ten and a quarter percent fixed rate of return that's not correlated to the stock market or the Fed, where you are in control and you can turn your income on or off, compound it, whatever you like. And no fees, absolutely no fees. You can have peace of mind. There's no attack on principle if you ever need your money back. You'll get your monthly statement with no surprises. And it's a secure collateralized portfolio that may be a better option for you than where you have your money now. Just check them out at investyrefi.com. That's invest, the letter Y, then refy.com, or give them a call at 888-YREFI24. Folks all over the country are earning a high fixed rate of return with Y-Refi, and they don't care about what happens with the stock market or the Fed, because with Y-Refi, you're not investing in anything correlated to the stock market or the Federal Reserve. You can do well by doing good. My friends at Y-Refi are trustworthy and honest. Check them out, investyrefi.com, invest the letter Y, then refy.com, or give them a call at 888-YREFI-24, 888-YREFI-24, and make sure and tell them Seth sent you. Be an interesting weekend. Gosh knows, every day is interesting. And as Tim said, you know, it's hard to say we're doing well. I was talking to uh, someone about that, and I did a monologue, I think, on this yesterday, or was it the day before, about the tension and stress we're all kind of under and um, dealing with these days. And um, I said to a friend of mine, I said, I was talking about it with her, uh, and um, she she said, you know, sometimes it's just important to disengage and go listen to a lecture on something else. Go listen to a speech on something else, an unrelated, perhaps, sermon. Um, Maybe some music for a while. Maybe read that novel that you've been putting off or a piece of history that you've been wanting to read about. Try and disengage from the news a little bit because while we all have to be abreast of it, of course, to be informed, of course, don't let it ruin your emotional psyche. Don't let yourself be a casualty, in other words, of the stress 
that you are being forced into and pushed into. Try not to be. Try not to be. Some of us have to do it for a living. Some of us have to try and do it because we have to do it. But you don't have to live in the crisis. You don't have to be and let your emotions and psyche be another casualty of what's going on. Rabbi Alush coming up. He's doing our second hour this uh, this Friday, and uh, we're going to have something special for you in the third hour. I think you'll like a lot, too. Don't go away. A lot more coming up. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com. <laughs> 